You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. As always, I'm your host, Trent Fleskins. And just remember, if you've got any comments or questions, you can post those on the Facebook page or you can head over to perthpropertyshow.com.au and record that question straight up. Today is a very special day. We are talking market updates and the only person that I ever want to ask about this is my favorite property commentator in Perth. It's Brendan Ptolemy from Heron Todd White. Thanks for coming in, mate. Good morning, Trent. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thanks. I'm excited. I'm a bit nervous as well to hear what you've got to say. I think we all are. I think that's a feeling in the market right now in Perth where a year ago we had high hopes. We still have high hopes, but the longer it takes for us to see evidence on a broader base, the I guess the more nervous we become about whether those hopes will be realized. Yeah, and I think there's probably a feeling of the market, waiting for the market to wake up. I think we started the year, lots of commentary around not another year of a downturn in our market and another year of a slow ebbing away of property values. Obviously, we've had some interest rate cuts. Uh, we've had the serviceability changes. And suddenly there's a little bit of activity and a little bit of stirring in the in the snoring that's been going on in our market. It's going to be interesting to just see what happens next. And it's really difficult to call right at this moment. Isn't it interesting the way that we're talking now, how we were talking a, a year ago when I think uh, the theme of our chat a year ago, which I think was very much before the real effects of the Royal Banking Commission and the Bill Shorten parade came through, it had some legs about it that the optimism we had there were some real reasons for it and then we've just been twice bitten four times shy I'm, I'm sort of saying and and we're all just a bit waiting to see hopefully where things move is it a case of still the smart money moving first are you still seeing optimism and and real numbers starting to push through at least above the median house price yeah, there's, there's certainly some optimism signs coming through. I talked to an agent a week or so back who had been surprised by 80 people coming to four home opens on a, on a weekend. Mm. Uh, and I start when we start hearing those stories and when people come up to you at kids' sport and footy, netball, hockey, those kind of basketball, all that kind of stuff, and, yep. and start telling me stories, that's, that's fantastic. That means that there's some grassroots there in terms of uh, some activity. Is it but stuck in the western suburbs y- though still? Yeah, I, I think it is uh, still sitting just above the upgrade buyer type activity. Um, like a mill plus? Yeah, yeah. So And, and it's really interesting that I, we don't have any overwhelming transaction activity there too. So we've got the looking. Yeah. We've got some transactions starting to flow through, but there's no wave of transactions coming through. I suspect that comes in September when spring is sprung, West Coast have won a flag, yep. and everyone comes Lock out of uh, <laughs> <laughs> touchwood, um, and, and you know everyone comes out of that uh, winter hibernation. But it has I think, been a hibernation, hasn't it? Yeah, it, both it feels on the a selling lot like that. and the yeah. buying. I just feel like the transactions have been so much lower than last year. Yeah, and and you talk to any good agent right across the market, and they'll tell you it's been a struggle. So we hope that people are still tuned in and listening because we have called the bottom of the market a few times. Yeah. Uh, and that essentially, if you keep saying the same thing, people stop listening. Yeah. You say you're the boy that cried wolf. Yeah. I feel like we did hit the bottom of the market. I don't I don't think we've been eroding ridiculously like we were two, three mm. years ago. I just don't think we've had any strong evidence that we've come up from the bottom of the market. Yeah. So some of the other little signs we're seeing at the moment in our business, we do a lot of mortgagee and possession valuations and that's where the bank have got a customer that's in trouble and they need to uh, 
to dispose of that property or sell mm-hmm. it or do it up. And the, the banks have become very good at managing that. And, and so we often do a number of valuations on the same property as they adjust it, mm-hmm. as they either fix it up and sell it or look to get the best outcome. They're not fire selling like they used to. No. They, so they seem yeah. to have a pecuniary interest to not uh, undercut their client being the owner who may have had a bit of equity left. Yep even though they couldn't pay the mortgage. Yeah, so they're trying to find the, the, the most amount of capital back out of that property for their yep. customer. Yep. And and obviously, they're using us to peg whatever the market value is and trying to sell it above w- what we value it for. That's always kind of the challenge we set them. Frustrating uh, for me as a buyer because <laughs> I, I was, I, you always like as a buyer's agent to find a mortgage in possession because you think, ooh, this is going to be an easy one for me. Yep. I feel like the last year, they've just become more responsible, the banks, in that way. And it, they don't make it as easy for us as bu- on the buyer's side yep. in getting grabbing these fire sale properties it doesn't seem to be possible if if you if they can't sell it for what the valuers think it's worth they just aren't selling it yeah and so you know to what does happen there is we'll revalue it after it's been on the market for a little while yeah. um, that will demonstrate p- that potentially the market didn't like that property for whatever reason yeah. and, and we would go back and value it and, and say oh, hang on yeah. it, it is still drifting south in terms of value but the reason I brought up the MIPs is that we're seeing those sell uh, quicker than they were in the past so if we go back a year ago they were the, we had a number of properties that we just kept revaluing and essentially following the market down so we yeah. do a valuation peg it at say $200,000 down in the southeast corridor we think we've got that number pretty right we walk away thinking it's going to sell around that that price and we come back three months later with an agent saying hey look no one has come for this and the new sales evidence is saying that everyone else around us is discounting harder than we are mm. can you revalue this and tell us what it's worth now and unfortunately what you're doing as a value there is saying well the market's gone down yep. and that and and we got down to things like 170 160 on those yeah. types of property and not as much now yeah uh they're not discounting yeah exactly we're not correcting those as quickly and most importantly those mip properties are selling oh, so the, yep. the, the buyers are coming for them as opposed to them just languishing on the market another factor for me that i am hanging my hat on right now given that it's still early days since the serviceability assessment change assessment rate changes and the interest rates dropping the one leading indicator in any market for property where we're finally seeing some positive news is the rental vacancy rates. Rental vacancy rates for everyone out there are a leading indicator because what happens when the prices go up based on the vacancy rates going down, tenants then have the opportunity in their head to think, well, maybe I'll enter the market as a buyer and therefore that adds demand on the demand and supply curve of house values. It also allows investors to lend more because their proposed rent can be higher based on their finance applications. So when rental vacancies drop, which they have, you want to give us the stats in a second, Brendan? I think it's from 7% down to the low twos. Now we're at a case where because of that, you've got reams of people coming through tenanting these places out very quickly. Whereas a couple of years ago, it was a case of how cheap can you rent it for just to get someone in. Now, we're at that situation, obviously, where rents are starting to increase. And that's that first leading indicator, that green shoot that I'm seeing as a result of such a lack of construction in the last four or five years. When people finally start to realize their bank accounts having a bit more disposable income and the banks start to uh, lend for that bit more, uh, we've hopefully got that opportunity for a bit of credit growth on the demand side. And therefore, people just feeling a little bit more confident because everyone's letting them play ball. Yeah, look, that the rental side of things is really interesting to look at. So median 
weekly rental uh, has gone up in the June quarter, June 2019 quarter. Overall, it's 350 a week. Uh, median unit rental is 330 and house rental at 360. So they've come up by from about 320, 310s. So you are looking at a half decent jump. Uh, as you say, vacancy rate gone down. And the other really big factor here is people looking for a return on their money. Let's just remember that capital values of the product that they're buying have gone down. Rentals have gone up in that same period of time. So if you're starting to look at that yield equation, things are starting to look pretty attractive, especially when you look at the return you're getting for cash in the bank. Brendan, I'm saying to everyone right now that if you haven't got a positively geared property from buying today, there's something wrong. If yeah. you're if you're at a three and a bit percent interest rate uh, and your rents are starting to grow from what they were before, there's no reason why most properties in Perth now shouldn't be positively geared, which is at least some relief and again for disposable income side for investors to be able to start thinking, well, look, it's not that hard for me to hold these properties. Yeah. What that also does is mean that these people don't have to sell. Therefore, we have less properties on the market. And we've got some data on that as well about properties sitting on the market. The listing numbers are coming down week by week at the minute, uh, which is absolutely fantastic to see. So same week last year, 15,500 properties on the market, according to REWA. Four weeks ago, 14,751 properties on the market. This week, 14,242 or 14,250. So you can see those listings drifting south. Now, admittedly, this is a time of year where listings often drift south because people that haven't sold their, sold their property will take it off the market and relaunch in spring. So yep. a September, October type relaunch. But we're talking year on year from last yeah, winter, so we're, right? we're, we're down a thousand properties year on year. Same, yeah. So that's a great comparison. Yeah. Uh, sorry, a thousand. It's fifteen hundred actually. So, yeah. uh, seeing that supply ebb out of the marketplace is really, really good. Now, admittedly, some will be people that have taken investment property off the market because they've secured their tenant. They're, these are all really good signs for putting a little bit of pressure back on our marketplace and back on buyers to make a decision. So, you know that. When you look across bio profiles, investors getting in the market, good idea at the moment. First home buyers getting in the market and buying established product, good idea at Never the moment. Never been so cheap. It's really cheap. Both to buy and to pay off. Yeah. And then uh, the upgrade buyers gets to be a slightly more difficult conversation, but really that's a pragmatic conversation mixed with emotion whereby you're saying, right, you understand what your suburb's done. It's yeah. probably leveled out. You know now there's probably an opportunity coming up to sell that because there's some liquidity in the marketplace, uh, but you will be buying in the, the neighbouring suburb or the suburb that you desire at more than likely the cheapest it's going to be for a fairly long period of time. Yeah, yeah. very true. And I guess our next question is, whilst it's, it's good to recognise there are some economic fundamentals as to why things won't be going down on, an, on average uh, for most suburbs, hopefully uh, going forward, what we really want to hear is why is it going to go up? Because there's no point in investing in something if it's just going to be the same value in three, four years. We may as well just wait three, four years until that point and then we invest in it if it's going to go up then. So why would property in Perth go up in the next two to three years, which is what at the minimum of what people would want to hold property for at a very minimum. most Obviously, most properties should be held for a good two, three cycles in my opinion to really get the most value out of it before depreciation of the property becomes a negative factor. Yep. But what are we looking forward to? What are the real factors that will bring prices up? I was lucky enough to be at the uh, API, the Australian Property Institute Peak Body for Valuers uh, conference a couple of Fridays ago. We had a uh, presentation by the guys from Deloitte's Entertaining kind of not but uh, <laughs> a, a really true economist dry view of what's happening in our economy essentially 
the, the point is that they're looking for uh, increase in employment rate wages. So where are those wages levels going? Yep. Uh, and immigration is still a really big one for us. So is that coming in from overseas or interstate? And what's going to bring those people here? So wages from here stay steady or they go up. They're not going down anymore. Unemployment from here stays steady or it goes down again. So we've been through the worst of that. Immigration, from a job point of view, we're all starting to hear those stories about people being having to come in from interstate and overseas again. It's hitting the news. You know, to, It's back on Rick Arden on Channel 7 talking about how we're not going to have enough people for the next yeah. projects. Yeah. But there, I guess... The interesting point about that is, it's, it's the property market is one of those ones where once you see it, it was already too late. In yep. my opinion, you really need to, and that's why we have this this episode because it's really important to identify and lay on the table for everyone listening what it is that we're looking for before it actually happens, so that we can be that astute investor, buy now, develop now, or renovate now, so that when we believe that time when the businesses have made the decisions they will be bringing people in and therefore having to pay more people pay people more as well yep. we already own those properties we haven't paid that 15% premium like we're already seeing which we'll talk about in the future you know Karatha for example yep. they're, they're good. still a good year in a, away from those projects starting to really hit Karatha yep. but the market's already gone up 20% yeah. the rental vacancy rate's ridiculous we'll talk about that in more detail but I like to think of the Pilbara as Perth's leading indicator. Yeah, potentially it is. Yeah. Because they're the smart money. They're the smart money isn't just the most intelligent people. In my opinion, the smart money that moves first is the is the people with two factors. One, they have liquidity. Yep. They've been sitting on their money for the last few years. And two, they're the first people in the networks and circles and uh, insider information. Essentially, they're the ones who have heard it first and can see it and have the context to understand how that's applied. Yep. So if you live in Karatha, you see the jobs starting to come through, you see the businesses start to open up again, you don't need to be that smart to realize that things are happening. Yep. And that's the smart money for Perth, in my opinion, because Perth's swing market, the thing that affects Perth property market, is the mining and resources industry. And that's on the ground in the Pilbara. Yep. Yeah, and the other factor uh, that we should really consider in terms of watching that recovery is liquidity. So we have just been through one year of probably the biggest crunch on, on credit that we're going to have in a whole cycle, you know, yeah. in almost some people's lifetime. Yeah. Uh, and by that crunch, I mean the restriction uh, on serviceability through qualification from uh, things like the interest rate level. So everyone's heard about the 7, 7.25% serviceability rate that the, the banks were using. Some people would not have been aware that that's how their home loan was assessed. So I think most people, yeah. Most yeah. people just go to the banks and think, it's a very simple question, can I have some money? And the banks say yes or no. They don't know why. Yeah, yeah. And so they're thinking they're paying 5% interest rate. Uh, what's really happening is the bank saying, well, let's let's model this up on you having an interest rate of 7.25%. So what's going to happen now uh, is there's liquidity returning to the market. The average increase in liquidity because of the interest rate drop and the change to that uh, serviceability on the uh, interest rate assessment will be around 15 to 20%, a pretty much easy 20%. Now, there's some really good stats on the East Coast that show that when liquidity reduced in their marketplace by 20%, house prices followed. They mm. went down by 20%. And that's that correction that we've seen in Melbourne and Sydney. 
The same follows the other way. So more liquidity in the marketplace says that people go to the bank, how much can I spend? Can I afford to spend that extra 50 or 100K? And we're talking, for the average person, we're talking about 150-odd thousand dollars extra that they would have to spend. So that gets automatically artificially richer yeah. overnight. <laughs> they are. And it's a nice thing to think about. And yeah. you know, when, when I allude to the upgrade buyers before, there would be a lot of people listening that had gone out to try and buy something thinking that because they've had a pre-approval in the past with the bank, I can go and buy that place in the next suburb for another 150K. I'm ready to load up on a little bit more debt for a slightly better house or lifestyle or location. Mm. They then got knocked back when they went back. Even though you had a pre-approval, the bank said, oh, no, hang on, we just changed the way that we're assessing your uh, your serviceability. Uh, you can't move to that property that you were thinking about. So those people need to probably... Ask again. Uh, go back and see their broker and their banker. Uh, go and get those pre-approvals that maybe got torn up in the past and, and just see where their bank's up to as well. So different banks will move at different paces here. Probably a good idea to talk to a good broker. Mm. The other factor there is you know, a good broker will be just going through that CRM, their list of clients and going, right, that person got knocked back. I'm giving them a call. Yeah. Flick them an email. Are you still interested in doing something? And I, I think the timing for our market's fantastic because we're coming out of that winter usual Perth doldrums where we all stay inside because we don't, don't like getting wet winter. or being yeah. cold or don't, just can't deal with it or go away. Well, I can't get my hair wet, Brendan. So that's a, that's a medical condition of mine. Yeah. Uh, and so good timing in terms of going into spring into September um, and we all come out of the, our, our uh, doldrums uh, and go and have a look around in the marketplace. And it's not just upgraders, Brendan. I think it's first home buyers that need to have that question. I guess... Anyone who's a first-home buyer, they're the ones with the least context, I guess, as to why the banks do and don't give them finance in the first place. And it can be really disheartening if you've saved up enough money and then the banks say, sorry, you can't afford anything more than a $320,000 unit here and you just sell stuff that I won't even bother. Yep. So that now becomes 400 and something overnight. And I guess those dreams can now be seen out in a lot of people's minds. I really think at the end of the day, we'll look back on this time. I just personally purchased my family forever home, right? I guess I'm walking the walk in that respect. I really do believe that we'll look back on this period, this winter of 2019, with all these new economic fundamentals and macro fundamentals demonstrating theory for growth uh, as Perth's lowest point, our darkest hour before the dawn, where there are a lot of nervous people around, but clearly fundamental reasons why things did move forward and up from that point. I know I'm obviously an optimist here uh, when I say that, but the numbers are finally coming through. And whilst the, the sentiment is probably less strong than it was a year ago, the numbers certainly are stronger than they were a year, a year ago. It's just hard to believe them, I guess. Yeah. And I think the other thing to think about here is uh, if you're the person that's going to the barbecue and waiting for your mate to say that they've bought a property or they've upgraded or they've moved across the highway or gone closer to the coast or the river or the hills, then that's too late because you're the second mover. And really, we're just using our knowledge, Trent, to be able to encourage people to gain some confidence. You know, you and I have both done transactions in the last couple of years, admittedly, in, in great suburbs and spent lots of money and thankfully been able to uh, rack up some really great debt. Yeah, I love so it. happy yeah, I love with it. my debt. Yeah. Um, but um, so, yeah, we are talking the talk, as no, you no, say. Like, but, we're walking the walk, Brian. I think yeah. when you have both the people on this podcast both saying, look, we've recently purchased our family home, not just a small unit, but our family home, look, that's got to account for something. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing to uh, to consider there is um, timing now versus being here in a year's time. As I said before, the, the 
uh, economic fundamentals aren't going to go crazy, but the amount of money in the marketplace will determine that prices will go up because we'll get into a competitive bid situation as supply goes down, mm. and that will mean that the market just starts naturally trying to uh, outbid the, the next buyer. Uh, and values will go up. And look, you know, we're not sitting here talking 06, 05 boom prices. We've got a fair way to go even to do that. For that. They're just yeah. looking for some positivity in actual evidence. They just want to see, get rid of theory, Trent yeah. and Brennan. I just want to see my house going up or the house next door going up a bit more than it was yeah. last year. I think that's where people are at right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And also yeah. the attraction is if you're buying now, you should be getting in at the cheapest price that that suburb is going to be for a long time. We want it to be. At the end of the day, the evidence that we're, I'm seeing right now, it's the foot traffic. And when I went out to a property that was a very simple house behind a house split in Dinella last Saturday, I thought, oh, might get in pretty easily here. It was 11.05 and there were already 11 cars Yep. After a, you know, in that five-minute period at the front of that house. Yeah, yeah. So people are clearly thinking about property. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why the numbers, for example, on this podcast are continuing to rise so quickly. People are thinking about property. They're interested in property. Uh, the reality is, and we can't sugarcoat it, it's just that there's just so many people waiting, so many wildebeest waiting at, at, on the edge of the river ready to cross. Who's yeah. going to cross first? <laughs> you know, that's sort of, I think, where we're all at. And I think we're going to look back on that time and go, yeah, that was the time you should have crossed, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, and you've jogged my memory. I uh, did have the pleasure of driving past a couple of home opens that were about to open. So I could see the agent down the road putting their signs out. You're going to talk me about Safari, Brent. Um, I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I drove past the home that was about to be opened and uh-huh. it was five minutes to the hour and there was three or four people sitting on the front wall and cars parked outside and I thought wow that's really cool to see Um, yeah yeah. so spring's coming we'll end this podcast what a fun chat it's been anyway it'll be interesting to see again when we have this next update whether it's maybe six months from now with you on Perth uh, and that CBD market where our sentiment is after Christmas and how life's looking with no Royal Banking Commission, no bill shorten, rental prices increasing, people starting to get employed by the miners and resources companies for the upcoming projects and hopefully people selling properties for prices they want to sell them for. Yeah, and we'll we'll all be looking back uh, with a bit of ScoMo in our minds going, how good is property? Yeah, how good is property? (laughs) Thanks, Brendan. Okay, so we have spotlight time now. We are talking about Leadable and our number one agent is Ingrid Bradshaw from the Property Exchange. Ingrid, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you, Trent, for inviting me in. Leadable, it's one of the coolest suburbs in Perth. Uh, I think it's got a lot of potential still, even though it's got so much history. Can you tell me about where Leadable started and why? And uh, I guess some some fun facts. I'm, I'm really interested to learn a bit more about this cool suburb. Sure, Trent. So Leaderville was named after William Leader. He was the original grantee of the land in the 1830s. And he came with his family, his five children and his wife, and managed to get a grant of 288 acres east of Lake Munga, where he was able to buy the land and develop it and get the grant. Good on him. Hey, half How, his luck, 288 acres. Yes, that's pretty well <laughs> the whole of Leadable. Yeah, I wouldn't mind um, that. So this land was predominantly wetlands and it was used as um, dairy, poultry and market gardens. And in 1895, at the beginning of the gold rush, there was a lot more private subdivisions that started occurring and Leadable officially was gazetted as the Leadable Road District. That's how it actually got its name. And it became into its own from there. We had trams in 1897. There was a lot of migrants and obviously that came in. So the, the history of Leadable is is vibrant and colourful and we have Italians, Macedonians, Greeks and there's a lot of 
property in Leadville that's still tightly held by those those residents. In fact, the average length of time for people to stay in a property in Leadville is 11 years, which just goes to show that mm. people really enjoy living there. It wasn't really until the 1980s and 1990s that Leadville really came into its own. Why is uh, that? What changed? What changed is I think it's a lot of the older people started to leave and the young people came in and started to redevelop, renovate, subdivide and all of this change started to occur. Bit of density. The, bit of density. The, the leadable, cafe strip. The cafe that? strip, yep. absolutely. All the uh, It started to become cosmopolitan. The post office that was 1897 turned into a cafe. The train station in 1992 came in and the whole strip changed. It became a hub for people to go to. Work, and play, Work, live. play, yeah. live. And of course, the proximity to the city with the trams and people able to almost walk, essentially walk to the city, which obviously is a, is a great draw card. And it really became incredibly uh, valuable. Prices and shot, property prices. Yeah, 80, yeah, 1980s, 1990s, Leaderville came into its own. It's definitely a formative year. Isn't that a fantastic example? When we're looking today, and I'm, I'm always harping on about structural and cultural change is the biggest driver towards change in values in a suburb. And it's hard to explain it because people can't see it yet. But you can look back at places like Leaderville that were very functional places 50 years ago and then see that step change in infrastructure of bringing through the cafe strip, bringing in the train station, increasing the density, uh, and bang, prices go through the roof. Why? Not because it's a a much more uh, valuable place to be just because it's a much more interesting and vibrant. vibrant and useful place to live. It's all about utility at the end of the day. If we have the, the access, that walk score work for the play, for the work and for living as well, then what else can you want? And a, a big step change is what you have just exemplified there. Exactly. And, you know, it's not a huge suburb. It's only about 1.5 kilometres, square kilometres, leadable, and it's it's only a population of 3,000, around about 3,000 people. The median age in there is around 33. So there's a lot of young people that are coming in. There's still, there's still quite a lot of singles. There is really something for everyone in terms of housing types, and that's another thing that's incredibly attractive about Leadable is that it's not just houses that, that it offers. It offers units, townhouses, duplexes. There's something for everyone, and that's what I think has, has made it incredibly attractive. It's of a high spec as well. People haven't gone in cheap in Leadable. And because it took so long for Leadable to have that density increase, you didn't have those old BGC flats of the 60s there. Or if you did, I'm not seeing them anymore. You've really got a good a good Mix. spec of, of, of high-quality townhouses and apartments where they have been upgraded over time. That's it. And and there's a lot of young, dynamic people that have come in and, and absolutely renovated, redeveloped, rebuilt and transform some of these older homes and these these land holdings into really quite dynamic properties mm. that has made the suburb incredibly exciting to live in. Hey, we, we, we hear a lot about uh, Beaufort Street and the struggles it's having. Leaderville hasn't been immune to that, but at the same time, it doesn't seem to have suffered as strongly as Beaufort Street when it comes to the cafes closing and shutting every second week. Okay, I think that's uh, related to the the business owners being really connected and the community supporting the shops. It certainly hasn't been immune. I know the Leaderville Bookshop um, has closed after 22 years, which was, for me, incredibly sad. But I think that it's difficult times for retail. 
And however, I just think it is about the local community supporting these strips and leadable. Yeah, absolutely. It's ever changing. There's, there's, there's always something new happening there. They're always so spending it's, it's money always, on the area as well. They're always spending money. The city of Vincent's been not really a forgotten dynamic. Part. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, that has also really helped. Yeah, I support think it. keeping that dynamism, uh, upgrade. It's upgrading the paving for God's sake. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, there's always something going on leadable to upgrade the area, upgrade the amenity, give the kids somewhere to play, reducing any uh, areas of possible crime or delinquency in the in the you know the back alleys and whatnot. I feel safe when I'm in Leadable and I also feel like I can have a good time at my own level, whether it's at a nightclub or it's at Siena's or at Greens & Co. Uh, any level there, you're not stuck just going to party or just going to have a coffee. You have many opportunities to see where the night takes you and I think that's a fantastic part of what Leadable has to offer and that's probably a lot of people in those early 30s who want that optionality. Exactly. And it's 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 dynamic and it's because it's a small cafe strip, it's not spread out, so you can walk thirty meters and be in a completely different at a mm. completely different destination. Mm. And it is ever changing. That that strip changes all the time and that keeps it dynamic and alive. So tell me, what's an archetypal buyer from you at the moment in Leadable? Is it a young professional couple? Do they yeah. have kids? Professional couples are very much a big part of the leadable uh, demographic in terms of you know looking what they're looking for. We are getting a lot of empty or downsizes or or right sizes as we call them now, looking for properties that potentially have bedrooms downstairs or single level or something that gives them the the vibrant location lifestyle that they're wanting, uh, proximity to the city, but they want a, a nice home as well. So new we're definitely getting in their late fifties, yes, early sixties. We're getting we're getting yeah. plenty of those. So it's not just young people, it's also the, the right sizes that are coming in and really wanting to live the leadable lifestyle that mm. you know they're, that everyone's been accustomed to and Cashing on their hard work. Cashing in on their hard work, absolutely, Trent. We're also getting you know uh, first-home buyers that are... What are they buying? What can, what can a first-home buyer afford in leadable? Well, there's you can actually afford a two-bedroom apartment you know, in the 200s. There are some there, but predominantly they're looking at up to 500,000. So you'll get a townhouse, mm. two-bedroom townhouse for that so and there's lots of new apartments obviously around so there's quite a lot of choice for first-home buyers in and around leadable and of course they're all busy which is typically the trend for first-home buyers has been that they're so busy they all want new they all want you know something smart and sleek they're not interested so Very much true. in renovating mm. they want the finished product they, they want, want the finished lifestyle. product they, they want buy the, lifestyle. the lifestyle they buy the lifestyle they yeah. buy the location and this is what leadable absolutely is a standout suburb for uh let's run through the price points as we always do What's the cheapest thing you've sold in Leadable in the last 12 months? A two-bedroom apartment. A two-bedroom apartment in Leadable in a group of 40 was in the 300s. In the 300s. Yeah. Okay. So it's accessible to a first-home buyer. If I want to have a family home, what sort of area in Leadable? I guess that's closer towards Mount Hawthorne. Uh, further up Oxford Street? Yeah, probably the larger blocks, probably a little further away from the, the cafe strip. Mm. If you're looking for a family home, you're looking at over a mil to get something that's, you know, three by two for sure. Yep. Um, if you want a half a block, you know, a subdivided block, you know, sure, you can look under a mil, but but essentially it's over a mil to get something so we're really that's on a generous a, land size. around that plus or minus mil space if you're looking for that home that is a, is a, a home, renovated home. You know, it's a good 10, 11 year yeah. uh, turnaround home. You're looking around the million dollar mark. You are. You might you might pick up something that needs work on a large block in the 900s, mm. but essentially if you want want something that's renovated, that's all done, you're looking over a mill. It's a big step change, isn't it? 
It is a big step change. Going from the you know three four hundred for the apartments and then mill. Is there anything between? Is it a townhouse? Oh, absolutely. There's definitely there's there's quite a range actually. There's there's some older style really cool three by twos and then there's some brand new two by twos that have been really done really well townhouse style. So there is quite a lot of choice mm. and quite a range of housing that's available for buyers in the sort of between sort of six fifty and eight fifty. There's quite a lot and that's a really popular price point for buyers. That, Where's that's the value a hot though? Market. Is that the value right there you think in th- that space I, I or think, is it the million dollars you pay the money and you get something good I think it depends what you're looking for I think there is a lot of value in that 650 to 850 range and I think it's quite a hot market at the moment I think it's because people are preferring to get two bathrooms if they can and three bedrooms as opposed to two bedrooms they want something that's more done because no one has time anymore everyone's busy so you know that that market is extremely hot in the area and how expensive can it get in Leadable? can get over high ones to, you know, I'd say high ones is probably, you know, the, yep. the higher end of Leadable. Because you that- don't have those mega blocks in Leadable really, do you? A lot of it's the old post-war blocks where they max it out at the quarter acre. Uh, they Most of them have been subdivided already, you know, decades ago. So it's hard to get those mansions in Leadable, a few and far between? There are a few and they are tightly held, mm. I would say. And, you know, the the larger blocks, you know, if you get anything over 600 square metres, that's considered a large block. Yeah. There's plenty of 400s, 300s blocks in Leadable, but the larger blocks, there are some 800 square metres and there are some, you know, some obviously larger blocks, but they're very tightly held. Well, that segues into our next segment and that's, that's always subdivision and property development opportunities. Now, uh, I would... I've thought that it's generally pretty hard to do much with three, four hundred square meters. So, Ingrid, is there much going on in terms of opportunity that you see in the market that you sell for a property developer to come in at a mum and dad level? Or if not, do they have to be that institutional developer who's maybe bringing three or four blocks together and putting an apartment building along Oxford Street or the surrounds? I think there's still opportunity for the mum dad investor in Leadable to, to pick up a development site and maybe do a two lot subdivision or I think there still is definitely opportunity there. Where are, Where is that opportunity? Is it near Britannia Reserve? There are certain streets that where they offer R60 zoning so and that's sort of closer towards the cafe strip end where you know you, you could potentially do something that, that offers a, a grouped house development and and it is also away from away from the Oxford Street cafe strip there's development opportunity as well on larger blocks where it's R40 and they're sort of larger 600 odd square meter blocks absolutely but there's not as much opportunity as I think there's been in the past I think there's definitely been a lot of infill in Leadable and that's certainly meant meant that land's hard to come by mm. it um, seems like it's been done a lot of it's been done it, already at least has. for this generation before it starts to get to the next step the next mega level of apartments and that is that is predominantly happening on the main main roads on the Vincent Street Vincent Street and Oxford Street have you know particularly Vincent Street has been a complete transformation I mean Vincent Street in the 1990s to now is almost Un, un, unrecognisable. Yeah, yeah, unrecognisable yeah. for what, you know, the five-storey development The use um, of Leadable Oval, listening exactly. to the sign every exactly. Saturday morning. It's just incredible. And Oxford Street's a little similar. You know, that's linking the district centres of Mount Hawthorne and Leadable, but that's changing as well, you know, with respect to, to development. But the primary developments that people are preferring are the group developments, you know, in terms of the small lot developments. There's still some opportunity in Leadable for that. It's harder to find and they're very much hotly contested, those properties, when they come on the market, but they still exist. Quick one, and this is more for my interest. I've always wondered, what's going on behind the Luna in terms of that uh, development there? What, what exactly is that? Is it apartments? Is it townhouses? 
Is that the uh, old drill hall, the I RAAF? I think that is what it is. Yeah, Can you it explain is. It's, it's incredible, the lifestyle of that. There. Yeah. yeah, look, that's a Cape Bivard development. It's an apartment complex. I think there's 72 apartments in there. And there's also some commercial properties that are on the fringe around uh, both Oxford and yep. uh, Vincent Street. Uh, it's been an incredibly successful development. And in fact, the landscaping in, inside is Tim Davies' uh, landscaping. It's beautiful, the gardens, and they've been maintained beautifully. The complex has a pool. It's essentially two-bedroom two-bedroom apartments, two and three bedrooms, a mix of apartments in there. But it's very vibrant. It's great. There's a lot of uh, tenants. It's safe because it's a security group. So you have secure car parkings, a couple of different entrances to get in and out of there. But it's um, incredibly popular for for tenants and investors. There's a lot of investors Mm. in there. There's a lot of rentals in later. Have you noticed rental prices increasing? There's definitely been a shift in the rental market and it's great to see because we had the vacancy factor at 7.2% in 2017 it's now down at 2.8 and it's great to see because obviously that's um, putting pressure on rents so prices are going up um, so that you know there are less rentals available the rents are going up they're being rented more quickly and that's actually great for the property market because it's also uh, assisting people to, to decide to choose to buy rather than rent for a long time when rents were low and there was so much competition there they were just like renting and not even why considering not buying no, exactly. why would you rent why would you buy yep. and now of course this is um, this is good for the market because we're going to have more people coming into the market deciding to buy and not continue renting yeah okay all right median house price what is it 882 what would you do in good Bradshaw with eight hundred eighty two thousand dollars in your pocket in leadable today I would buy a house on a larger block with potential for subdivision, potential for renovation, and then I would sit on it, I would renovate and potentially look at subdividing and I would also consider the location and the street. What is the premier location street in Leadable then? That's a difficult one. Mm. There are many. There are many. Um, and we're talking about your favourite. Okay, here, okay. I like Galway Street. Um, I think Galway Street has, it used to be lined with peppermint trees many years ago. And then um, unfortunately, the council came in and cut them down, much to the residents' horror. But they are, I can see they are coming back now. There are some more peppermint trees in the street. So it's certainly um, starting to recover to the tree line, beautiful street it was. Where is Galway Um, Street? Galway Street is, it's about 500 metres north of the Cafe Strip. It runs perpendicular between Oxford and Loftus Street. It's very close to uh, the Burke Street roundabout, Burke Street and Oxford Street roundabout. Okay, all right. So smack bang in the heart of Leadable. Smack bang, very central. Very close uh, there are, there to are both others. strips, really, Mount Hawthorne and Leadable. That's it, Trent. And there are other streets. I, I don't really have a favourite street. I like Galway Street, but I also like there's quite a lot of streets in Leadable. They all have their own quirk about them and they're all very much community oriented streets which is what makes Leadable such a fantastic suburb. Ingrid Bradshaw thank you very much for coming in and chatting Leadable. Uh, I would have thought that in a year's time when we're talking again this will be one of uh, the front runners in terms of rental growth and also a bit of uh, value growth too. Absolutely thanks Trent. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!